True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, among others. They'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else. You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you, let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. High drive, center field, hit the wall, grand slam. This is magnificent. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. Ask and ye shall receive. The people want more championship help, and that's exactly what you are going to get. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball Today on a Thursday, September 24th. He is Scott White. I am Frank Stanfield, and we are here for you, the people. Today on the show, which aces are done in the regular season and can be dropped? We're going to try our best to figure this out together. Lots of daily lineup leagues still in action, so we'll take a look at Thursday's slate and give you some hitters for the weekend. And we'll take a little look at Wednesday. A few stud pitchers made their final starts, of course. And what else happened? We'll talk about it. What's going on, Scott? I heard that uh, you're building up that lead in Tout Wars. I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, when I looked today, I was up by six and a half again in a Roto League. I don't know. I don't know how how it changed that dramatically. But apparently, the, the charge that Tim McLeod was making was a mirage. And I'm still in a good position there, thankfully. Shout out to Tim McLeod. Great player. Someone that I have talked to at previous stops in my fantasy career. So I'm happy. I'm happy that you're you're getting back up there. But I said it all along, man. Like, this is not your typical roto season. We're still going to see things fluctuating like crazy this final week of the season. So I'm telling you, it's all going to come down to Sunday. It's going to be in. Sane. All right, let's take a look at Wednesday. First and foremost, let's see who was dominating, who wasn't. Oh, my good goodness gracious. All right, Scott, you want to get us started? Oh, my goodness gracious, a standout from Wednesday's action? Sure. I want to talk about Lucas Giolito because Lucas Giolito I am very high on heading into next year, having put together my first two rounds, he comes out as the number five starting pitcher. Walks have been kind of high. This was his third straight start with three of them, but he had 11 strikeouts in six innings. He had 22 whiffs, all right? 22 swinging strikes. That makes it five out of six starts now for Lucas Giolito with 20 or more swinging strikes. I believe, I believe at last look, he's second in swinging strike rate in between. Who do you think? Jacob deGrom and Shane Bieber. Giolito is right there in the middle. 
Uh, the walk rate, like I said, is going to end up kind of high, but we know he's capable of more than that. I think if he continues to do this stuff wise, everything's going to come together for him. He's still in his mid twenties. He has a lot of, a lot of career ahead of him. And, uh, I think, I think the best is yet to come for Lucas Giolito. So I brought this up in the past. Is Giolito someone who has just feasted on good matchups this season? Looking at, he struggled against the Twins in his first start of the season. He allowed seven runs there. He allowed five runs, only four earned against the Cardinals. That should have been a good matchup, actually. Uh, yeah, he just really struggled against the Twins, mostly. Yeah, I can't really make an argument against him. And Scott, I know that you published a recent personal two-round mock draft. That is on the site, cbsports.com. You can check that out. So Scott gives you what he thinks the first two rounds should look like, his top 24 players who should be drafted in a Roto League, some honorable mentions as well. But you have Giolito as your 16th player off the board going just just after Aaron Nola and just ahead of you, Darvish, and Trevor Bauer. You know, I would try to... I would try and make the argument for those pitchers ahead of Giolito, but, I mean... They're they're not perfect either. Like, Darvish is 34 years old. Trevor Bauer, who I'm sure we're... I'll bring him up right now. What he just did again on Wednesday was ridiculous on short rest again. But, like, Trevor Bauer has a history of having volatile seasons as well. So, you know, who is the real Trevor Bauer? Yeah. Uh, That's true. he, He was going on short rest today. And eight innings, 12 strikeouts. That was his third start in four with double-digit strikeouts. And by the way, he's supposed to get another start because the the Reds' playoff fight is probably going to go down to the last day. He's going to start on three days rest again on Sunday. And, you know, he, he may have clinched the Cy Young Award with tonight's performance. I, I don't know, maybe if if the short rest catches up to him next time out and his you know, kind of skews his ERA, that maybe he'll lose it again. I don't know. But if he does typical Trevor Bauer things next time out, I'm sure he's a lock for the award. Yeah, I mean, the fear for Trevor Bauer is just every year he seems to tweak his entire arsenal and you don't really know what's going to come out, what's going to result from that. So, you know, some of the tweaks he made this year, they weren't what I thought he needed to do to get better. I, I saw a big rise in, in fly ball rate from uh, from a great 2018 season to 2019 and thought maybe he should feature the curveball more, get those ground balls up. He actually went the other way. The fly ball rate is even worse than last year, and yet he's just been untouchable. I mean, the the um, uh, the um what's the word? The spin rate, the spin rate on basically all his pitches is way, way up. And um, it's been, (laughs) he's just been blowing it by everybody. So uh, if uh, obviously the, based on his performance this year, Bauer would be a top five pitcher heading into next year. But given his history of tinkering and this, having this vast arsenal where he's always working in pitches and taking them out. And like, we just don't really know exactly what we're getting into. And we don't want another situation like happened to 2019 where it blows up in our face. And by the way, that's kind of the reason, you know, it's a a less extreme version of that, but it's kind of the reason I'm, 
I'm putting you Darvish behind both Giolito and Aaron Nola because his, you know, his arsenal is so vast too that it, it would be easy for him to stray from this formula for success that he's landed on over the past, uh, I guess, basically five months of play, right? Less than a full season. Take the second half last year, the two months this year. And obviously, you Darvish has been amazing, amazing enough that I have him going in my second round. But I do have him outside the top five like Bauer, even though recent performance would suggest maybe they both belong in the top five. And, you know, I was looking into Bauer and trying to figure out what is he doing differently this year than years past. I mean, the pitch mix does not look that much different. He's throwing his fastball more this year than he has uh, the past two seasons. It 48% usage, that's the highest it's been since... 2017, and the velocity is actually down, but you mentioned the spin rates, and I think that's what it comes down to. You look at on StatCast, a bunch of red everywhere. Red on StatCast is good, and you know he worked with Kyle Body and driveline baseball in the offseason, so maybe that explains why the spin rates are up this year for Trevor Bauer. And speaking of Kyle Body, he actually had an interesting tweet. Of course, he's Trevor Bauer's biggest fan, so it's like whenever Trevor Bauer is out there, Kyle Body is tweeting about him. But he had this to say. Uh, should be been waiting for the three days rest thing to come to fruition. Finally, it has. Should be interesting in 2021 when he does it for the whole year. Kyle Body said that about Trevor Bauer. So, look, I don't know if a team is actually going to let Trevor Bauer pitch on three days rest for an entire season. Well, that's he, right. I mean, Body works with the the Reds now, and Bauer's going to be a free agent. So we don't know yeah. um, unless unless Body has insight on whether or not. Bauer wants back in for 2021. We don't really know, but yeah, Bauer's kind of their star pupil. And if, if everything he's done this year is what it appears to be, then they've kind of turned him into this, this superhuman pitching, uh, bit of pitching perfection. And, uh, I am sure body would like to continue working with that. It's going to be interesting to see where Trevor Bauer lands. If uh, Pay attention to this. It, it, if people are talking about him actually going on three days rest, that means he is going to get more starts than every other pitcher in baseball next year, which means more volume, potentially more opportunities to ruin your ERA and whip. Doesn't look like the case this season, but uh, the volume could lead to more strikeouts. My oh-my-goodness gracious standout, I want to highlight two players who are kind of stumbling here to the finish line, two young players who... Just a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about as being potential early round picks for 2021. Oh, Louis. Luis Robert, really scuffling here. Last eight games, he is 0 for 26 with 14 strikeouts. Entering Wednesday, Luis Robert's 22.5% swinging strike rate led all qualified hitters. The StatCast numbers are not looking good either. The quality of contact has really come down for Luis Robert, probably because he isn't making much contact in general. Um, oddly enough, he is struggling mightily against fastballs this season. Uh, he's doing quite well against breaking and off-speed pitches. So uh, maybe that's actually something to be excited about for the future. I, I would imagine he, you know, those numbers normalize and he is better against fastballs. But Scott, what do you think about the recent struggles of Luis Robert and how that could affect his outlook for it next season. Yeah, it's season. an interesting observation because usually hitters, when they first come up, fastball is what they they hit well and they have to learn to hit 
hit the curveball to use a cliche, but um, you know, the ways Luis Robert struggled are predictable. We didn't exactly know how his skills would manifest in his first major league season. And for a while there, it looked like he was going to deliver on his best case scenario. Turns out that didn't happen, but I, I don't think, I don't think we should come away from this rookie season disappointed. Uh, he, he did show us a lot The what he still needs to show is making more consistent contact. And that's not, that's not an unusual thing for somebody so young. Um, but you know, he ran a lot. He has run a lot, I guess I should use, I shouldn't use past tense since he could end up still running some. Um, but yeah, I mean, probably like for a roto league, probably talking about like a fourth or fifth rounder still, I would think because of that power speed combo. Yeah. Head to head points. We're going to have to drop him down a little bit. A 32% strikeout rate in the rookie season for Luis Robert. The other gentleman is Sixto Sanchez. And this hurts. I know it hurts a lot of people, but it hurts me in particular. I'm competing for the championship in my home league that I have never won. We've got a free-for-all going the final two weeks of the season. And I had Sixto Sanchez in my lineup for, I believe it was two starts. And he has given me negative seven fantasy points over those two starts. Sixto was at the Braves on Wednesday, allowed four runs, walking four over three innings pitched, only two strikeouts. He has now allowed nine runs over his last two starts, just seven innings pitched. The ERA is up to 3.46. The XFIP is up to 4.06 for Sixto Sanchez. Scott, I'm not as confident as I was a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about him as a potential top 25 starting pitcher for next season. Yeah, if if we're going to put a positive spin on this, it's it's that it's clearer now where to take him next season as more of a perspective a perspective stud pitcher for you as opposed to somebody who kind of performed in a studly way, but not over enough starts to feel really confident about it. You know, his XFIP now, his ERA is 346. His XFIP is over four. The walk rate is still good, but after walking four and three innings, not, not as exemplary as it was. He got a lot of ground balls. I mean, he did a lot of things well, but he's far from a proven commodity. And um, it kind of would have been a mirage if that it, it kind of would have been a mirage that he was a proven commodity if he had been able to sustain it through the end of the season. But yeah, I mean, I was hopeful he'd do better against the Braves. Obviously, that's a tough lineup. I got bit by him in one league where I'm pl- playing for a championship too. It happens. That's all the more reason why you, you like to have as many true studs, true stud starting pitchers as you can. Though, I mean, it's not like the biggest letdown pitching wise today was Sixto Sanchez. It was a couple of guys who I'm sure most people considered studs, Mike Clevenger and Max Freed, both removed after one inning of work because of injury. Uh, Clevenger's one inning was good. Max Freed's not so much, but Clevenger's seems like the bigger injury. Freed sprained ankle or whatever. They've already clinched the division. Probably just want to make sure he's good and ready for the start of the playoffs. Clevenger, it's more bicep stuff. So he, there, there's no assurances he's he's going to pitch in the playoffs. Yeah, and that's that just sucks for Padres fans. My fellow Padres fans, as you know, my 
my National League team, the, the San Diego Padres, of course. Mm, uh, I'm but, sure you were so conflicted in 1998. Oh, uh, yeah, of course. You know, when I was seven years old, I was, <laughs> I was so conflicted, Scott. Um, but that brings us right into our news and notes. Of course, you mentioned Clevenger left his start after just 12 pitches to biceps tightness resurfaced there. So we'll see. I, I, we don't know if he's going to be available for the postseason, but uh, no, this truly does suck because the Padres gave up you know, quite a decent package to get him and we're hoping to have him as their potential ace in the playoffs. Max Fried, you mentioned, left as well. Apparently, this was more of a precaution. He tweaked his ankle. They didn't want to take any chances with the playoffs approaching. They want Max Fried to be 100%, so they'll give him a little bit, little bit more extra time for Max Fried to get rested up. David Dahl was placed on the 45-day IL with a right shoulder sprain. This poor guy, so young, just cannot stay healthy. I'm not ready to say that it's like the end of the line for David Dahl, but he's got to show us something, man. It's I feel, I feel so much better not having him in my dynasty league anymore. I traded him away at the deadline this year, and it's just oh, such a relief not to have to deal with that. Did you trade him to Nando? Was that one of the I trades? I traded him to Nando. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, Nando. Nando's... He didn't want him to be. To be fair, yes. Yeah. I mean, in the end, he took him. So <laughs> I don't know how much of that was just gamesmanship. You know, oh, David Dahl, I don't value him anymore. Oh, that's my Nando impression. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Good times. All right, Justin Turner returned to the Dodgers lineup Wednesday as he fights through that hamstring strain. Julio Arias wound up not starting for the Dodgers on Wednesday, but was instead used as a bulk reliever, and I think his line wound up looking pretty good. Yeah, it was. Six innings, two hits, one earned, two walks, five strikeouts. Maybe they should do this a little more often because if you put this up against all of Arias's starts, probably one of his best appearances all season long. So I don't know why they did that. I think I read somewhere they're toying with the idea of using a opener in the postseason, Bruce Star Gratterall. So all right. Could be interesting there for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Nelson Cruz, Yasmani Grandal, and Chris Bryant all remained out for their respective teams on Wednesday. Nate Pearson feels good and is expected to return from the injured list soon for the Blue Jays. He'll be used out of the bullpen and could potentially be a weapon for them in the playoffs. Michael Conforto was back in the lineup for the Mets as their designated hitter. He went 0-4 with three strikeouts against Tyler Glass. Now, Carlos Martinez was diagnosed with a, quote, uh, mid-back strain on Wednesday. He also allowed eight runs over five innings. Sounds like he was just suffering from a case of dumpster fire. Joe Girardi confirmed that Reese Hoskins is unlikely to return before the end of the regular season. He is working through a UCL issue in his left elbow slash forearm. Email of the day. This one's from Tyler. I don't have a specific question here, but I have a request. If you could focus on some of the discussion on the podcast on how to approach late week starting pitchers, that would be extremely helpful. I have guys like Jesus Lozardo, Framber Valdez, Dallas Keuchel, I'm afraid that any stud starting pitchers who play for a contender who is scheduled to start past Thursday is in danger of getting skipped or having an abbreviated start. So, this is going to be fun, Scott, because, look, we're going to try our best. There's no, there's no definitive answers. There, you know, I think 
Oh, the yeah. only person I've seen, like Kevin Cash came out and said Blake Snell and Tyler Glass now are not going to start the rest of the regular season. They're going to rest up and be ready for the postseason. Same thing could be said for Max Fried. Obviously, he's not going to start again for the Atlanta Braves. The rest... But, but, but you know, they weren't even... Snell and Glass now weren't scheduled to start the right. second time. And neither was Freed, for that matter. So we will uh, take a look at it, try and figure this out together here, Scott. We're going to make a few assumptions, but we'll try our best. Um, okay. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what has exactly changed since we, talk about, since we talked about this uh, heading into this week. Uh, well, the, the only thing I know for sure that has changed is Trevor Bauer is going to make a second start, which means Sonny Gray isn't. And I'm not even sure that's totally set in stone. Uh, presumably, the Reds' playoff standing will come down to the final day, and then they'll want Bauer in. But I, I guess there's a chance it doesn't. Um, so that's definitely changed. I don't know that any team would ask any other team would ask any other pitcher to start on three days rest. So anybody who started today, that's the cutoff for three days rest. And so I, I think you can eliminate anybody who started today. Yeah, um, I think a lot of this too is just that people want confirmation that they can drop their aces. It's kind of just yeah. a weird thing to do. You know, dropping Shane Bieber off your team, dropping Giolito, dropping Kenta Maeda just feels weird doing it. So I think people want that confirmation, but those Pitchers are not going to pitch again. Like, Bieber's done. Gilito's done. Uh, Kenta Maeda's done. So, here's how this works. The AL wildcard series starts on Tuesday, September 29th. The NL wildcard begins the next day, September 30th. Looking at the American League, six teams have clinched thus far, but seeding is still up for grabs for a lot of these teams, honestly. And mention Kevin Cash. I assume... Garrett Cole is not going to make another start, right, Sky? I haven't seen anything for certain, but I don't well, think Well, that's the thing. Like, I haven't seen anything for certain either. Um, he's scheduled to start. Well, he was scheduled to start Sunday. I'm not sure when he was scheduled. Okay, yeah, he was scheduled to start on Saturday originally. But that would mean he wouldn't be available for the start of that series. So, um. And that just makes no sense because right? Why? Why would they do that? The Yankees. Okay, now now him. it looks like Davy Garcia's scheduled. At least according, I'm actually looking at ESPN.com. Now it looks like Davy Garcia is scheduled to start Saturday's game. So yeah, I think there's no good argument for the Yankees to start Garrett Cole over the weekend that I can see. So we can probably rule him out. It's not a hundred percent. We're kind of we're kind of intuiting this, you know. It's all, all we can do is look online. <laughs> we don't have we all we can do is look online and intuit things. So, um, you know, hopefully we're not we're not spoiling some dark secret there. But that's all we can do. Uh, likewise, Jesus Lozardo. I don't know who else the A's would want starting game one of a postseason series. Like if. I were them, I wouldn't want that to go to Mike Fires or or even Sean Manaya, who was good against the Dodgers today. I'd, I'd want it to be Luzardo. Uh, I'm, I'm not the A's, of course, but if I, if I was, then I would say, why am I starting Luzardo over the weekend? So, and, and we talked about that heading into the week, that there's a good chance Luzardo might not start at all this week. Uh, I'm still leaning toward that. Bromber Valdez is one that came up before. 
presumably they'd start Zach Granke in game one and he'll be ready to go after pitching on Wednesday. Game two. I mean, to me, Framber Valdez looks like their number two starter, but it's, it's a close call. They have Urquidy, they have McCullers who I'm sure they like a lot. They, uh, you know, Christian Javier's had a good year. Uh, so I, it, it's not clear to me that Valdez isn't going to start over the weekend. If it were up to me, he wouldn't, but it's not up to me. So you'll just have to, you'll just have to keep an eye on that. Uh, anybody else we need to address specifically here? Uh, he brought up Dallas Keuchel, the emailer, and Keuchel is scheduled to pitch on Thursday. So I assume he will make that start and then he'll be done. And that will still line him up to pitch the second game for the White Sox. Yeah, they'd want Giolito in game one, obviously. Keuchel does look to me like their number two starter. So that lines up perfectly. I don't think you have to... It, if anything, they probably want to make sure Keuchel's stretched out enough to give them the length they need in game two since his last start was his first start back from injury. So I actually feel good about playing Keuchel this week, particularly in like a points league context. Obviously, that's his better format anyway. Scott, when I was scouring the Twitter machine to find out information about Jesus Lazardo, I actually found a lot of A's fans who said like, they didn't want him to start a game in the postseason, which I thought was crazy, but they were like, yeah, Chris Bassett for the first game in the postseason. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, what's... Uh, look, no one knows for sure, but, uh, you know, if that information comes out before we record tomorrow's podcast, then, then we'll let you know. So pay attention yeah. on uh, Lazardo in particular because it's just, you don't know what's going to happen there. But I would assume some combination of Lazardo, Manaya, Bassett are the three pitchers that they do want. Mike mm-hmm. Fires. I mean, you kind of know who he is at this point. I don't want him pitching for my team in the postseason, but hey, I don't run the Oakland A's. The National League is much more open, Scott. Four teams have clinched the Dodgers, the Braves, the Cubs, and the Padres. Clayton Kershaw is scheduled to pitch Friday this week, which lines up for him to start game one next Wednesday. So I assume Kershaw will make his normal start this Friday. Be ready for next week. Um, As for... The Cardinal, like the Cardinals, Marlins, Reds, Brewers, Giants, Phillies are all still battling it out. Trevor Bauer looks like he's going to go again, and I would assume if it, if it's coming down to the last day or over the weekend, Aaron Nola and Brandon Woodruff are probably both going to pitch again. Yeah, I would think so. Um, I, I look if if those two teams are eliminated before the last game. I still would think they'd pitch again. Uh, it's not like they've had, it's not like they've made 30 starts, you know, and, and a team might want to uh, take it easy on them. They probably would could stand to have more innings, both of them. So the only way that might change is if either of those clinch their playoff spot early and need to be rested for game one of the postseason. But I don't think judging where they are in the standings right now, I don't think that's going to happen. I assume Kyle Hendricks, who pitched Wednesday night, is also done for the season, right, Scott? Yeah, I would assume anyone except Trevor Bauer, who pitched Wednesday, is done. They, you know, a team could decide to bring one of them back on short rest if they felt like their whole season depended on it, but I would bet against it. I would bet against it. So I feel like anybody who started Wednesday, if you're in one of these daily leagues, except for Bauer, you could feel comfortable dropping them. All right, Tyler. So hopefully that helps you. I know a few other people tweeted at us, Scott, and emailed in asking about this exact scenario. So, boom. 
I hope that was helpful for you guys. <laughs> uh, in terms of daily lineup leagues, looking at, we usually save this for later on to stream or not to stream. We'll do that a little bit earlier right now with pitchers, and we'll talk a little bit more about hitters as well. But for Thursday, I have the must starts as Hyunjin Ryu is going up against the Yankees. Dallas Keuchel is going up against Cleveland. He's probably on the border of being a must-start pitcher, but it's a good matchup going up against Cleveland, so I like it. Zach Plesak against the White Sox. Lance Lynn against the Astros. Corbin Burns is at the Cardinals. And then I assume all of those pitchers will be done for the season after they make those starts on Thursday. So, Scott, Patrick Corbin against the Mets. Yay or nay? I'm going to say nay. Like a horse. Nay! <laughs> uh, exactly what Patrick Corbin has not been this season. A horse for your fantasy teams. He's been quite the opposite recently in particular. So I agree. Yeah, I, I would not want to start Patrick Corbin in this spot. How about your boy Ian Anderson? He is going up against the Marlins. So it wasn't so great for him last time out, but um, not not a real cause for concern either. I'd start him. Yeah, it's still a good matchup. The Marlins are 24th in weighted on-base average against right-handed pitching. Walker Bueller, in his return from the IL, don't know how many innings he's going to give you in this start. He's going up against the Oakland A's. Yeah, that one's a little scary. That one's a little scary. I think if you're, I think if you're picking and choosing, you only you have a limited number of starts or starting pitcher spots to work with. Maybe you avoid him, but if it's just if it's just start him and get something or sit him and get nothing, I'd go with the something and, and hope he gives me like three, four dominant innings. Yeah. Weird season for Walker Bueller, but I would probably start him as well. Alec Mills at the Pirates. Set. Really? Good matchup? Risky? I know. I just, I don't think he's a good pitcher. <laughs> you know, I, if, if no this hitters, was a points Scott. league call, but I don't think there are many daily points leagues out there. I could be wrong. Okay. Uh, and Roto, I just, I, I don't think the risk is worth somebody who has doesn't really have much strikeout upside. Alec Mills in points, not in Roto or head-to-head categories leagues. David Peterson at the Nationals. Uh, I, I was really good last time, but I don't. He's got to do it again for me to think there's anything to it. Sit. Pablo Lopez at those dreaded Braves. <laughs> it's borderline. I lean towards it after what just happened to Sixto Sanchez. Martin Perez going up against the Orioles. He's been frustratingly good this year. Frustrating because I don't know why. I'm going to sit. <laughs> Frustrating. I'll tell you why, Scott. Because every time you probably picked up Martin Perez to start him, that was probably bad Martin Perez. And then after you dropped him, that's when he was good Martin Perez. That, I haven't picked him up anywhere, but I, I could just imagine that happening to anyone who tries to figure out the rhyme or reason behind Martin Perez. Well, you know what? You know another guy who, even beyond Martin Perez, has been good in a way that I just didn't even notice until tonight is, is Zach Eflin, who's... K per nine after his second straight nine strikeout effort. He went eight innings today and got nine strikeouts, seven innings, nine strikeouts last time. He had a start earlier in the year that was that level of dominant. He's at 11.2 K per nine this year. Zach Eflin. 
that is not a stat I ever would have associated with Zach Eflin. His XFIP is 308. He's got to be among the league leaders in that. Now, he's a good ground ball pitcher, which helps XFIP. Um, and obviously, that strikeout rate helps XFIP. He's hardly walked anybody, so that helps. That. Like, it makes sense why he has that XFIP when you break it, break down the numbers like that. But I just, having experienced Zach Eflin, uh, from my position, monitoring him start by start, I never would have guessed those numbers popped up for him. And his swinging strike rate has improved this year. It's not very good, but you know, it, it's it's the kind of it's the kind of swinging strike rate Zach Wheeler's always made work for him. So I don't know. It's, I I don't really get why Eflin has landed on these numbers, and I don't think I'm going to be particularly high on him heading into next season, but. Nonetheless, this is what he's done, and it's pretty impressive. He is using his curveball more this year, which has been his best pitch, throwing his fastball a little bit more. Velocity is basically where he's been at in his career, throwing his slider less than ever before. So, I don't know. Maybe it's, you know, Girardi being there. Girardi's kind of helped Aaron Nola take that next step. and Maybe it's, you know, been the same thing with Zach Elfman. But, yeah. I did not realize that he's been this good. 3.08 XFIP, that would rank. Uh, he doesn't qualify, but it would be ahead of names like Denelson Lamette, Garrett Cole, Brandon Woodruff, Lucas Giolito, who's got as being drafted in the second round. Yeah. All right, Zach Eflin, name to watch for 2021. It, Back- it would be in the top 10. It would be better than Trevor Bauer, who I just called a pitching super superhuman. <laughs> oh, gosh. This Trevor Bauer thing is uh, so frustrating. Chris Bubich is going up against the Tigers on Thursday to stream or not to stream. I'm loving Chris Bubich right now. Granted, I was loving Brady Singer going into his Tuesday start, right? It was a Tuesday start. Gives you a little uh, so. gives you a little pause there, Scotty. Take that take that for what it's worth. Yeah, but I, I would say start here. The Tigers, man. And I brought this up before. 374 weighted on base average as a team versus left-handed pitching this year. Second best behind only the White Sox. It's it's a little scary. I'll just I'll throw it out there for Bubich. Uh, Christian Javier is at the Texas Rangers. I think you got to start him with that matchup. He's been kind of limited his last couple of starts, so in terms of innings, I don't know if that's like a workload thing. They're trying to limit him as the season's coming to a close. I think the matchup is still good. Get him out there, but don't be surprised if he only goes like four or five innings in the start. Kwang Hyun Kim is at home against the Brewers. Yeah, he he actually wasn't so great last time out. I, we didn't talk about it. I don't remember what day it was, but um, it was... He, he's a guy who's... I wasn't trusting what he was doing at all because there was really no single thing he was excelling at except run prevention. And um, it's a good matchup against the Brewers. I'd be I'd be inclined to sit him though, in case I was just desperate for an extra start. His last time out was against the Pirates. You are correct. He allowed four runs over five and a third. The start before that was at the Brewers in Miller Park. Seven shutout with six strikeouts. So take that for what it's worth. It he has dominated the Brewers in the past, but they've also seen. Kim pitched now before, so that might favor the Brewers hitters. So it's kind of open-ended there. I think it's a little risky as well. Mike Fires is at the Dodgers. No. 
That is a no for Scott, and that is a no for me as well. A hitter that you might look to stream on Thursday that has a good matchup. I don't know if it's actually possible for people to pick up hitters and start them the same day as they hear this, but I'll give it to you anyway because this is what the people were asking for. I have Michael Franco going up against Michael Fulmer. I think that's a pretty good start. Alex Dickerson and Austin Slater. Slater's been starting again for the Giants. They're going up against Chichi Gonzalez. Not, not really scared of Chichi Gonzalez. Jason Hayward is going up against Chad Cool, And Jackie Bradley is going up against Alex Cobb. Any other names that caught your attention, Scott, for Thursday? No, not for Thursday specifically. Or uh, for the next couple of days, the, the final weekend of baseball yeah, action. I, I, I did I did look at the weekend series uh, look ahead to the weekend series. Uh, so Friday through Sunday. And a lot of them were the same names I was hyping for the entire week. Obviously we're we're talking about half a week still left. Um so it includes like Brandon Belt, they have four games in those three days the Giants do. A few teams have four games in three days actually the Rockies do the Brewers do uh, but Brandon Belt is still widely available. He's having an okay week so far, and um, at least in a points league context, he is. And they have four games over the weekend against Rockies pitchers, so that could be a strong finish for him. A team I'd like to add that I didn't really talk about for the full week because they were only playing two games in the first four days, but they're playing four games in the final three days is the Arizona Diamondbacks. So it would include guys like Christian Walker, Cole Calhoun, who hit a bunch of home runs last week. Cattell uh, Marte, I'm not sure what his roster percentage is, but he just came off the IL two days ago and may have been dropped in your league. Uh, yeah, Diamondbacks, Diamondbacks might have a few candidates to play there. I, I think pitchers are a lot more interesting in a streaming context. Like if you're playing for your championship, you you obviously have really good hitters, and so I don't think... Like you're not gonna win. There, there are no points for getting cute, right? You're not gonna win on cuteness. So, <laughs> like, don't. Yeah, I mean, it, don't don't look so deep into the matchups that you start, you know, Christian Walker over uh, Jose Abreu or something like that. And there's no there's no reason for that. Just start your studs. But sure, if you're if you have if you have an obvious hole in your lineup and you're looking to fill it with somebody who who uh, the, the matchups favor, then those are some possibilities for you. Scott mentioned the Diamondbacks who have a doubleheader over the weekend and a few other teams that also have a doubleheader. The Cardinals, the Brewers, the Rockies, the Padres, Giants, the A's, and the Mariners. Cole Calhoun, I agree with. Some other shallower names, names in shallower leagues that you can add. Uh, Ryan Braun, Kevin yep. Pillar, David Peralta. And speaking of the Diamondbacks, it seems to be a consistent theme. If you need a catcher, Carson Kelly and Dalton Varsho have been playing better recently. I mean, this is just us. If you are really desperate for a catcher, those are a few names to take a look at. And some deeper ads, Dan Vogelbach, Jake Lamb, Josh Fuentes, all names that I have mentioned recently, but they are all on those teams that are playing doubleheaders this weekend. Sounded like you wanted to say something, Scott. Did you want to? Well, I wanted to mention the Braves play the Red Sox over the weekend, and their the Red Sox pitching staff is terrible. Of course, the Braves have already clinched their division. I don't know who they'd be inclined to rest, but 
you know, if Adam Duvall had one last big weekend in him, it wouldn't surprise me. Hey, I'll take it. I am starting him in that home league head-to-head points championship that I am in. So come on, Duvall. Let's get another one of those three home run games this weekend. The last name I'll mention, I don't know what the matchups are, honestly, but he's just hot. Cabrian Hayes hit his fourth home run of the season on Wednesday. It's been a really nice showing. Nice start to the career of Cabrian Hayes, who we kind of just labeled as a defense defense first type prospect, but he's looked good so far, Scott. That's that's what he was. I mean, we we weren't we weren't telling falsehoods there, but I I I get a good feeling about him. He's hitting the ball really hard. The the strikeout rate is, you know, it's not going to be the sort of thing that holds him back. He has four home runs now and 69 at bats. He could stand to elevate more, sure. But, you know, if he's going to hit it as hard as he's been hitting it, in those 69 bats, four home runs, four doubles, two triples. He has a stolen base, and that was kind of an underrated thing he did in the minors too, was, was run a little bit. I, uh, I feel really good about the way he's starting his career here. Obviously, tiny sample. Things could go wrong from here, but... Um, He's slowly turning me into a fan, this Cabrian Hayes. We're going to hit a quick break, but we have a new podcast at CBS, and it sounds awesome, and I think everybody should go and check it out. You may know Patrick Peterson for striking the Heisman pose while at LSU or making eight Pro Bowls with the Arizona Cardinals. Well, now he's expanding his resume to podcasting. Yep. He'll go from the football field on Sundays to the studio on Mondays for all things covered with his co-host and cousin, two-time Super Bowl champ, Bryant McFadden. The name of the pod says it all. Pat and B-Mac will break down the Cardinals and the NFL on a weekly basis, but we'll also discuss much, much more. You can also expect them to chop it up with prominent guests on each episode. Download and subscribe to All Things Covered on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else podcasts are found. We're going to hit the break. When we come back, take a look at some of Wednesday's action. Bryce Harper with a little double dong. I appreciate that after we talked you up either on yesterday or the other day's podcast. Scott, I just lose track of days this time of year. It's like every day just kind of blends together. Football research, baseball research, trying to watch the NBA playoffs. It's a good problem to have, but (laughs) but the days are just blending together. So we're going to take a break. When we come back, we will hit all of those things here on Fantasy Baseball today. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Have a day, Bryce Harper. I mentioned before the break, a double dong with three intentional walks. How about this? 
From ESPN Stats and Info, Bryce Harper is the first player with multiple home runs and three intentional walks in a game since Albert Pujols did so in 2013. The only other players to accomplish this feat since intentional walks were tracked in 1955 are David Wright in 2007 and a gentleman named Claudel Washington in 1980. Scott, what can you tell me about Claudel Washington? Uh, he's a name that comes up from time to time, but I, I, I think he was like a really fast guy. I have no idea who he is. So yeah, it's it was before my time, Mister Washington or any relatives of his. If you are listening, I apologize. But honestly, I, I just my history is not great. I mean, let's be honest. So he's he stole over three hundred bases. So I think I was right about that. I'm trying to pull up his baseball reference page, but. It's moving a little slow here. All right, Claudel Washington. Ah, all right, wasn't really a home run hitter, so to do that. Right. Well, you know, it was the 80s. True. He had some 15-plus homer seasons. All right, so, yeah. Bryce Harper, what a stud. You know who's not a stud? Joey Gallo. He went 0 for 4 and is batting 175. And, Scott, he might permanently be on my do-not-draft list. I just, I've never owned Joey Gallo. I don't want to own Joey Gallo. People were excited about him for the first week or two of the season. Just in a roto league. You can try and sell me on, the, well, he has 50 home run power. That's fine. He also has the downside to hit 175. So Yeah, I think I might be there with you. I was encouraged by the line drive rate for last year and the second half of the previous year. But when it gets right down to it, both of those weren't a huge sample. And... um you know, it's he, he just delivered his worst case scenario this year. So he's going to be better next year. But I just I pulled him in some of my leagues. Well, there was really only one league where I drafted him, but I pulled him, you know, probably halfway through. And the thing is, if I'm doing that after a month, what's going to keep me from doing that after a month next year, too, if he has a cold month and then you miss out on a lot of like it's easy to say, okay, well, over six months. These stats will even out. You know, he's going to wind up hitting a little over 200, but the home runs will be worth it. But that's only true if you stick with him for all the home runs. And that's 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 the part everybody forgets. Like, fantasy baseball is not a, a set-it-and-forget-it exercise. You're, you are setting a lineup every week, and you'll be tempted to pull him out when he's struggling. Might miss a lot of the good stuff. That is a fantastic point again on Joey Gallo. We mentioned Lucas Giolito and what he did and how excited we are for him for next season. How about the gentleman who was up against him? Shane Bieber, who just locked down the American League Cy Young, maybe even the MVP. I saw some chatter about this on Twitter. Shane Bieber winning the AL MVP. I guess it's not out of the question based on this season that he just had. 1.63 ERA, 0.87 whip for the Biebs. Double-digit strikeouts in 8 out of 12 games. What? That is just ridiculous. When I saw how many double-digit strikeout games he had, I was like, all right, well, maybe Scott's right. Maybe I need to rethink this. Shane Bieber versus Jacob DeGrom. It's close. It is. It's close heading into next season. Shane Bieber. Yeah, I, I, it's close. I think it's a reason. I think it's, I think it's a reasonable debate between this year and last year that the main reason I like Bieber more than DeGrom is between this year and last year, he has shown, uh, I don't know if it's the ability or just 
I, I don't know what I don't know what you'd call it, but he has he has been going deeper in games on average than Degrom has, and that's a big deal. It might contribute in some small way to the win discrepancy between the two. I mean, Degrom would look a lot better if the Mets for three years in a row now didn't have this tendency to just give him no support. And so his wins are never living up to the rest of his stats. But um, I, I don't know that it's fair to factor that into the ranking because that's, you know, the Mets aren't a bottom of the division club. They are going to win games for some of their pitchers. It stands to reason eventually DeGrom would be one of the pitchers they win games for. But it hasn't happened. I will point out, to, to put a fantasy spin on the MVP context for Shane Bieber, there is only, according to the the Roto rating, the, the rotisserie rating, how players are rank in rotisserie, um, there is only one pitcher in the top 10 among all players. It's Shane Bieber, and he's number one. Mm. I noticed that, too, yesterday when I uh, brought up Jose Abreu is the best hitter. The only person that was ahead of him is Shane Bieber in Roto value. So just a fantastic season out of the Biebs. My Yankees got pounded. They lost 14 to one. The baby Blue Jays are getting hot at the right time. Kevin Biggio, Bo Bichette, Vlad Jr., Lourdes Gurriel, and Danny Jansen all had multiple hits in this game. And I think if Bo Bichette is healthy, he's probably like a third round pick heading into next year, like a third or fourth round pick. The upside is, is evidence Scott, for Boba shit. Yeah. I mean, top of mind, I'm thinking round four. It's, it'll be interesting once we actually get the players lined up, because I feel like we could probably come up with 30 names that are <laughs> round four players. And that's kind of the way it was last year too. Uh, which is part of the reason why I was in favor of drafting so many pitchers early is because, you know, it's hard to tell the difference between this third round hitter and the seventh round hitter. And I think that'll, I, I think we'll see a lot of that heading into next year too. Zach Greinke went four and two thirds, three earned runs. He has allowed three or more runs in seven straight starts. His season ERA will end at 4.03, but his XFIP is still 3.49. I have a feeling that people are, are going to try to fade Greinke in 2021. He will be 37 years old. So I kind of get it, but at the same time, I can I can be talking to Zach Granke as like my SP3 or SP4 if he gets well, pushed down far enough. Well, he's had a weird stretch here. Seven straight starts with three earned runs or more. Some of them are quality starts, but you know, barely quality starts. Is still a 450 ERA. So it's been a lengthy run here of really meh production from Zach Granke. And he is throwing about two miles per hour less than last year. But when you look at like strikeout rate, when you look at XFIP, his XFIP is actually lower than it was last year, and it's about the same as it was two years ago. So uh, anytime there's a two-mile-per-hour drop in a velocity, that raises some red flags, obviously. But it would be reflected more across the board than it is if it was really if it was really limiting Granky's effectiveness. So... I'm not that worried about him going into next season. I think he'll probably be right around 20th in my starting pitcher rankings again. If if he's not for other people, then I guess I'll have a lot of Zach Greinke, probably as my number four starter. 
Yeah, I I agree with where he should be ranked, but I don't. I think other people are going to be hesitant because of the age, and they'll just see the surface ERA. I'm I'm going to be in on uh, on Zach Greinke if you can get him at a discount as well. Scott, is there anything else that you wanted to highlight from Wednesday? I know that there was like a lot of action. We talked a lot about streamers for Thursday and the weekend, uh, but I'll just give you an opportunity here to to open up. Well, worth pointing out, Dean Kramer was awful after three really strong starts to begin his career. Seven earned runs in two and two-thirds innings. He walked three. The control had been an issue even as he was succeeding. Uh, Randy Arozarena. Let's talk Randy Arozarena. He homered twice. Now has seven home runs. That's a lot of home runs for the at-bats he has. His expected stats, though, 254 batting average, 477 slug. No, not bad, but but not great. Not somebody who would be an obvious asset in fantasy, somebody who would be rostered in all leagues if he was doing that, presuming he was getting full-time at-bats. You know, you break it down. He's not hitting the ball super hard. He's not hitting it super high, meaning the fly ball rate isn't the kind that would lend itself to a lot of power. It's kind of plate discipline for Randy Arrows Arena. Not seeing a lot to get excited about here. I think I think that one's a mirage. There were a few other uh, interesting two-homer games. Danny Jansen homered twice. For the Blue Jays, also had a double on a four-hit day. It was only his fifth multi-hit game on the year. Wonder if he was inspired by Alejandro Kirk, his big game the other day. And look, I really want Alejandro Kirk to be a thing. He's 21 years old, so he has plenty of time to become a thing still. Danny Jansen, though, for as awful as he's been this year, he has a high line drive rate. He hits the he's hit the ball to all fields very well. Hit 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 it more up the middle than pulled it. As a matter of fact. Uh, it's the kind of profile that lends itself to a high batting average, not the bottom of the barrel one he's had. And look, the XBA isn't very high because he hasn't hit the ball very hard, but I don't know. I still think there might be something there for Danny Jansen. I'm not totally ready to give up on him. I'm not sure the Blue Jays are either. Uh, Felix Pena got a save. Probably too late to care about it. Uh, for what it's worth, Mike Myers, who who we talked about for a two-inning save earlier, he set up Pena. He pitched the eighth inning. So that was kind of interesting. Uh, Nathan Avaldi had another great start. Eight strikeouts and six shutout innings, 18 whiffs. But it was fastball, cutter, slider again. He, well, the slider's interesting, I guess. Okay, so there was a breaking ball mixed in there. It wasn't, it wasn't, just, uh, it wasn't just all hard stuff. Um, so maybe he's onto something. Maybe he is starting to develop a breaking ball that's allowing him to be a little more consistent here. Salvador Perez. That was one of those two homer games that was interesting, and his numbers are phenomenal this year. I mean, he's been better per game than JT Real Muto this year. Real Muto. Sorry, I got to train myself to say it that way now. Um, it's pretty exciting. I don't know exactly what it means going forward for Salvador Perez because obviously he has a pretty lengthy track record of being one thing. He's already 30, I think, which is usually an age when catchers are slowing down. Uh, but particularly at a position with not a lot to offer, that those numbers really stand out. He has 
been more of a line drive hitter this year, kind of lowered his launch angle in a way that seems to have improved his overall profile. And, and, you know, maybe that's just a small sample thing. Maybe it wouldn't continue into next year, but I'm, I feel like I'm because of, because of the breakdown of the catcher position, I feel like I want to give him more of the benefit of the doubt than not Salvador Perez. I was putting together my catcher rankings today. JT real Muto number one, of course, I did go ahead and slot Wilson Contreras behind him, but I have Salvador Perez third, which I'm pretty sure is the highest I've ever ranked Salvador Perez. And uh, you don't like it? No, Scott, come on. Salvi's number two. You think it's Salvador Perez number two easily? I think so, yeah. I, I was I was excited about him coming into the season. I mean, yeah. he didn't. I mean, I'm going to... I'm going to side with track record here for both of those players, Wilson Contreras and Salvador Perez. Wilson Contreras' batted ball prof- profile actually hasn't been that different this year, even though the production has been kind of disappointing. I'm willing to move Grandal behind Salvador Perez because of uh, um, the age. Grandal's getting pretty old, and he wasn't playing as consistently with the White Sox. Uh, Travis knows another one that you're just not sure how seriously to take it. But he's been amazing, and he's under contract one more year with the Braves, so his role's not going to change. His surroundings aren't going to change. And like the entire profile supports what he's been doing. So I actually have him fifth. I don't want to turn this into a catcher preview, but <laughs> since we, I kind of got off on that tangent, I wanted to mention Travis Darno. That's my top five at catcher. JT Rumuto, Wilson Contreras, Salvador Perez, Travis Darno, I missed. I didn't name one of the five. I'll keep it that way. Keep some surprises there for you. Mm, I have a feeling of who it is and someone who should be in that mix, but you're going to have to wait and see or listen, however you consume this podcast. Um, another bullpen note. I know you mentioned Felix Pena. I just wanted to talk about Nick Anderson for a second. He got the final out of the game with the score 8-5 to five for the Tampa Bay Rays. A few people tweeted at me asking why he didn't get the save, and it was because the tying run was not on deck, technically, and if you enter with a three-run lead, it either has to be for a full inning to get the save, or it has to be with, like, runners on base, the tying run is on deck, and that's how you earn the save, so that's why Nick Anderson did not get the save in this particular instance. Some Apple Podcast review rating and review questions, Scott. Let's go a little rapid fire on these from Caleb2405, rank these for next year. Kyle Tucker, Dom Smith, Ryan Mountcastle, Luke Voigt, in a head-to-head points league. Okay, let me find the email real quick. Okay, I would rank them Luke Voigt number one, especially in a points league where you don't depend on steals as much, but still Tucker number two, Dom Smith number three, Ryan Mountcastle number four. This one's from All the Help, keeping Tatis, Bueller, and Freed. I have to select two more. Soroka, round 14. LeMahieu, round four. Garrett Cole, round two. Zach Greinke, round eight. Cole and LeMahieu. Let's go, Yanks. All right, Scott. Coming over to the dock side. This one's from Alec, 1887. 10-team head-to-head categories league. I get to keep four. Judge for a seventh. Darvish for an eighth. Freed, 11th. Seeger, 12th. Sixto, 15th. Ian Anderson, 15th. Kenta Maeda, 19th. There were a bunch more, but I thought these were the best. Thank you for narrowing it down for us. I appreciate that, truly. Darvish in the 8th. Maeda in the 19th. 
Seeger in the 12th. Freed in the 11th. This one's from Mike in Rochester. 16-team uh, Roto with daily lineups. Keep five forever with no limitations. I have Mike Trout and Ronald Acuna already. I need three more from Luis Castillo, Sonny Gray, Jordan Alvarez, Max Freed, Lance Lynn, Corbin Burns, and Jesus Lazardo. Three of those. Three of them. I'm going to go Castillo, Burns, and it's between Gray and Alvarez. I think I think 16 team, and, and you can keep him forever. I think I go with Alvarez there as the third keeper. That's exactly what I was thinking as well. Would you drop a $19 J.D. Martinez for a $1 Clint Frazier in a 10-team Roto Keeper League? with OBP and slugging percentage instead of batting average and home runs. I am thinking that Frazier would be good trade bait in the offseason and that J.D. Martinez would go for less in the draft. Yeah, he probably will go for less than 19, 10-team especially, 10-team league. Uh, I I don't know that Frazier's really going to be great trade bait in a 10-teamer, but... I, I I'm fine with that move if you think he would be. I mean, you know you know the habits of your league mates better than I do. A user named Arch Kilo Kilo left five stars and a question, but there was no context and there was no first name, so I was having an incredibly difficult time trying to figure out who these players were. Uh, were so if you can email us at fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Frank going above and beyond to get the guy an answer. I'm trying, like man. That. That is that is CBS and the letter I, by the way. Someone emailed us the other day and said, I didn't know if it was like CBS E-Y-E, like, an, like your eyeball, or well, CBS yeah, I. Well, yeah, I mean, understandable, because CBS I, you know, the logo looks like an I, so that's always been a thing. Right. But no, the I stands for interactive, CBS letter I dot com. Uh, so if you email us your question, Archie boy, I will, or girl, I will answer, I'll send you an answer. And last but not least, my man, Matt, go cards. He asked a lineup question on Monday. I'm sorry, Matt. But unfortunately, there is a bit of delay on the Apple podcast rating and review questions. Those don't show up for us for like a day or two later than you actually post them. So I apologize. We weren't able to get to your lineup question. He is Scott White. I am Frank Sample. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today on our YouTube channel. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.